Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph continues his message entitled, Don't Let Anger Kill Love. This is part two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Let's go a little bit further. It says in verse 4, I'm called to keep the destroyer at bay. It says in, in verse 4, a word to you fathers, don't make your children angry by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction that's approved by the Lord. Don't be a nag. Don't be a beast. Be a, a disciple maker. Bring your children up in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Now, here's a couple of other scriptures that I would like for you to look at. One is in Colossians chapter 3. It goes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 21. The scripture here says, Fathers, don't aggravate your children. And the suggestion is, don't be always on their case. Don't keep conflict alive. If you do, they'll become discouraged and they'll quit trying. They'll lose heart. They'll become disheartened and they'll give up. Now, let's make the leap to not just talking about children. Let's talk about our spouses. And let me say this, it's in, in both of these passages, it's talking to adult males. I think that overt, expressive anger tends to be a male trait. And so mostly, this is a message, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to cast the message, talking to, to, to men as, as the actors and women as the reactors. Although, in some situations... It's the woman who dominates the relationship with anger. And so you let the shoe fit and then wear it. You have to figure this out on your own. But I'm going to talk to men about this because I think that men are often the aggressors with anger in a household. And women then become the person who repress their anger, hold it in, carry it as a friend in their life, although sometimes it can be reversed in, in gender order. But here's the lesson in this verse. If you aggravate somebody, you constantly stay all over them with anger, then they're going to become discouraged and they're going to quit trying. And here's what I have to say to you. Is there sin on both parts? There's sin that's initiated by this person who will not control their emotions and, and is a great big baby. And then there's sin on the, the part of the other person who allows that to turn into bitterness and to malice and to a grudge, and they carry it to the point that it explodes on them. And in both cases, the answer to this is submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. And folks, that is the only answer. Nothing else can do it. You can't get counseled to get out of your anger. You have to choose to release anger in your life. And so the heads up here, the preventative teaching here is, if you're the initiator of anger in your household, 
Get a lid on it. Get yourself under control. Act like a grown-up. We live in a society that somehow teaches males to act macho and tough and angry. And oftentimes it's passed down by somebody beating on you when you're a little kid, abusing you, or then fanning your fire. You get into some conflict, and the way out of the conflict is with your fists or, or go back and throw a brick through their window or whatever. And then we bring that stuff into our relationships, and we can't figure out why our families don't work. And I want you to know that comes straight from the pit of hell. There's no justification for it whatsoever. And it may be your culture. It may be your family heritage. It's satanic. Get over it. It's a choice you make. Get over it. Come back to Ephesians with me. In Ephesians chapter 4, he uses this word angry, and it can translate bitterness. I'm going to give you just a scripture reference that you could look at a little bit later. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it talks about bitterness, and, and, it, and it tells us that to, to be careful and protect each other, the Bible that we're reading from says this text, that, that a bitter root of envy doesn't spring up in you. And that's really not a very good translation. It's literally a root of bitterness doesn't begin to take hold in your soil, of your soul. And don't let this happen because that bitterness will rise up and poison many. And so what this really says to me is, I need to be careful that I'm not inflicting bitterness on another person. Because if bitterness takes root in the soil of their heart, then it's going to spring up and it's going to make a plant that's going to poison a lot of people. And we've all seen people who live their life in bitterness and they're just filled with venom and, and, and evil speech. And they destroy the lives of people around them. And often somebody who had responsibility to nurture and care for and lead and mentor and raise that person up was abusive toward that person and they invested anger in that person and now we get this harvest of bitterness and we can't figure out what in the world has gone wrong with our society. There's a cause and effect universe. We live in a world that, that accepts violence as a norm. We condemn it. You know, there's no excuse for domestic violence, but then we accept it as a norm. We look at people and we don't go, there's something wrong with you. And there is something wrong with us when, when we're violent physically or violent emotionally. And there needs to be surrender. There needs to be repentance. It needs to come back to the Lord. That's the only answer. Don't invest anger in the life of another person. Because it'll blow up on you and it'll cost you everything. It's exactly the opposite of honoring somebody. You know, the opposite of anger is not peace. The opposite of anger is honor. I hold somebody in high esteem. I value them. Are, are you with me so far? Well, we want to go one way further. As you look at the word angry there, where it says, don't make your children angry, and I'm going to say, don't make your spouse angry, don't make your boyfriend angry, don't make your girlfriend angry. We really don't want to give Satan a chance. There's, as I got into the Greek dictionary, I, the, the definition here could suggest bitterness, but one definition, you know how they give you several definitions in a row, said, don't, don't cause anger to walk alongside of this person. 
What does it mean for anger to walk alongside of this person? You know, it says, fathers, don't make, don't put your children in a position where anger walks alongside them. Don't put your wife in a position where she walks with anger every day of her life. Don't put your husband in a position where he's walking with anger. What would that mean? Well, I, you know how people are talking today? You hear a lot of people and they'll talk about a spiritual experience that they've had, which I believe is a real experience. And they'll say that, that a spirit guide came to me. And this spirit guide goes everywhere I go and, and talks to me and leads me and directs me. Well, that's not hocus pocus. That's real stuff. The Bible talks very, very clearly about Lucifer, who is the angel of light, the angel of the morning, the second ruling person in heaven under God. Having coveted God's throne and wanted the authority and the power and the honor that was due to the Lord for himself and rebelling against God was overthrown. The Bible says there was war in the heavens. And Lucifer was thrown out of the heavens. And, and today we call him Satan, the evil one, the adversary, the destroyer. The Bible says about him, do, do you know where Satan is? He's not here in this room bothering any of you today. And he wasn't with you this morning when you got in that fight with your wife on the way to church. And that happens so often that you have to know that that's a satanic venture. That people say, we can't get our kids ready for church in the morning. We get them ready for school every day without a fight. But we try to get them ready for church, we end up in a fight. You understand where that's coming from. But here is Lucifer, and he's confined to location. The Bible says of God, and I don't totally understand this, but he is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. It says of God that he is omniscient. He knows everything all at once. But not Satan. He's not omnipresent. He is not omnipowerful. He is not omniscient. He's confined to location. And the Bible tells us where he is. That he stands before the throne of God, accusing us of all of our sins. Did you know the Bible says that? And it says that Jesus stands there as our lawyer. So where do we actually get paralegal from in Greek. And that he stands there and he defends us by saying, I died for Ralph Moore's sins. That's over. And so Satan's confined to location. But he pulled a third of the angels of heaven with him. And they come to us as we call them demons. The word angel, angelos, in Greek just means messengers. Messengers of Satan. Paul talked about a messenger of Satan who came to buffet him, to afflict him with physical pain. When people say, oh, I have a spirit guide that's leading me, and it, that thing is leading them down a path of destruction, you understand now what's going on is they're, they're having an intellectual relationship with a demon. And when it says here, don't invest anger to the point that anger walks alongside somebody throughout their life, what they're saying is, by you continually aggravating them, you're opening them up to an evil spirit. I believe this, that every time that we're tempted to sin, there's an evil spirit that's whispering things in the, in the, in the subconscious of our mind. It's not just all by myself. It's rooted in me and my sin nature. But there's, there's, there's something that's drawing me and pulling me and pressing me. Don't invest that kind of a relationship in somebody that you love and care about. Is, is this feel right? 
I mean, we're getting into some pretty deep stuff today, and it's, and, but I think we need to. Take a look with me at one more scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to talk about don't give Satan a chance. And it's verse 26. It says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Now, if you're the aggressor in anger, you sin by giving control to that spirit that nudges you, that jabs you, that makes you want to break something, makes you want to throw something, makes you want to hurt somebody, makes you want to say something bad to somebody. Don't allow that spirit to goad you into sinning because you're sinning against God when you do that. I remember a time when I was about 12 years old, maybe 13 years old, and I was really into model cars. I was, I was a car freak before I could drive. And I'd always buy all these hot rod magazines and rod and custom magazines. And, and the way that I'd take out my frustration was by buying these little model cars and customizing them. And I'd spend hours and hours and hours and hours. And I had this car that I probably had worked on for six or eight weeks. I must have had 60 hours into the thing and something went wrong. And I got mad and broke it. And I cut my hand. And I went out into the living room and my dad had heard me hollering at the car. And uh, he saw the cut on my hand and he asked me what happened. And I, I told him that I, I so mad at the stupid thing, I broke it. He told me I had no right to do it. And I told him I surely did, it's my car. And he starts talking to me about sin. And about I had no right to do that. Because I belong to the Lord and I have no right to give that kind of vent to anger. Yeah, it was my car. I could give it away. I could throw it away, but I didn't have the right to blast out in anger and let sin take control over me. If you're the person who's the victim of somebody else's anger, then don't allow sin to take control over you by allowing anger a place in your heart. Find a way to confront. Find a way to forgive. Find a way to bring, you know, the Bible gives us very clear instructions. If you've got a problem with somebody and they won't listen to you, take somebody else. You know, that'll usually open them up. If they won't listen then, take two or three more. You know, go in and clean the thing up. Get it over with. And so it says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now there's some really good advice. Don't let your head hit the pillow at night while you're still angry. You know, early on in my marriage, I found out I could gain huge control over my wife if we were having a fight simply by just going, I'm going to bed, I'm out of here. And just leave her to sit around and eat her stomach out all night worrying about it. And then she finally got really smart and she'd stand there in the bedroom and turn the light on and lean up against the light switch. <laughs> and forced me into what this scripture is saying. But there's wisdom here. Don't go to bed angry. Get it over with. Deal with it. Get it out. And then it says this. Anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. And I want to end with this. Don't give Satan a chance. Anger gives a mighty foothold. A foothold would be a word that you'd use in rock climbing. You found the place that's going to take you to the next place. Don't give Satan a foothold that's going to take him from where he is in your life to where he wants to be in your life. Another translation of that scripture would say, don't allow Satan to make, or don't make room in your heart for Satan. Literally, 
Don't build a room on your soul for an evil spirit to occupy. Again, it's not Satan himself, big red, that's going to come there. It's one of his little minions that's going to come and occupy a little place that you carved out in your soul. And you said, this is for you. And folks, we nurture this stuff. Be it lust, be it hatred, be it greed, be it anger, be it dishonesty. We cultivate it. We cultivate it. You know, Danny talked today, and he said a very telling thing, that he used to like that about himself, that he was able to drink everybody else under the table. What is he saying? I found an identity in doing that. What was he doing? He was making room in his soul for Satan to get a hold of him and control him and trap him into the alcoholism that he was caught up in. There's a point at which we have control over these things. There's a point down the road where we lose control because we've surrendered so much and we need some help from some other people praying for us to get out of it. But while you got control, deal with it. Am I making sense? Now, let me just come back and say what I said. The, the issue here is the Lordship of Christ. Is Jesus the Lord of your life or, or is he not? Is he is or is he ain't? You got to choose. You got to serve somebody. Could be the devil, could be the Lord. But you got to choose. You got to choose. And in choosing, then you got to understand honor and anger. And you got to understand that one way to get out of anger, if you've built a room on your heart for anger, one way to start to dismantle it is to build another room in your heart for honor and begin to honor that person. You know, you go to, the, to get your, your car registration and you get so frustrated with those people and you just know that they're going to close the window and go to lunch when it's your turn. <laughs> well, learn to honor them. Just learn to be kind to them and you'll find that they'll be kind to you. You go there in anger, all you do is get a, you reap a harvest of anger. But look at the person you love. Look at your spouse. Look at your, your girlfriend. Look at your boyfriend. And learn to honor that person. And cancel out the opportunity that Satan has to get a hold of you. If you've built a little room in your life for Satan, then begin to dismantle that room. If you've helped somebody else build a room in their life, then begin to dismantle that room before you lose the relationship. And understand that giving vent to anger, whether it's this way, that I go around slamming things, banging things, yelling and hollering, or I sit and quietly brood and let it build up and build up and build up until it's going to explode. Both of those are, have to do with sin. Both of those have to do with giving Satan, a satanic spirit, a demon, if you would, room to, to gather strength in your life. Cut it loose. Cut it loose. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you today, we I, just in standing here in front of the congregation and, and, and reading people's eyes and facial expressions, I, I, I can tell that this is, this is a zinger. I know that we're, we're touching people where they live. This is where we hurt. Uh, this is where there's so much pain in our society. 
And Lord, I pray that you would bring deliverance to us. Lord, that you would be the Savior, be the rescuer, set us free from our own habits, from our own bondages. Tear down the walls that we've built of the little houses that we've made for evil messengers to speak into our life. Set us free, purify us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. Say this with me. Just don't, don't even need to say it out loud. Just Yeah, do say it out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, I make you the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. I agree with you that I have no right to anger. I have no right to hatred. I have no right to bitterness. I ask you to remove them from my life. Lord, teach me to honor those that I love. And in doing so, I will honor you. I surrender to you. I want to live my life under your authority. Amen. Now keep your eyes closed for a moment. And I, I want to always end a service this way, giving people an opportunity to just say, God, come into my life. I know that I'm somebody who's far away from you. You know, as Danny was sharing his testimony this morning, you, you may very well relate to that and, and have a sense that, that I, I've pretty much given up on God or this is my last chance or whatever. I'm at a point where I really want to now just say, God, I'll give you a shot here. Just I'm opening the doors. And if you would like to pray with me, I'm going to pray again like we just did. Only I'm going to ask you to pray silently. But I want you to join me in this prayer. However, I do want you to tell me if you choose to pray with me. I want you to, to let me know. I want you to have done something that says, yeah, I want to join you. I want to pray with you. And if you want to pray with me, I, the way I want you to do that, we're going to pray in about a half a minute. But I want you to tell me that we're praying together by just looking up at me. If you want to pray with me, I want you just to look up. That's our signal. Everybody else got their eyes closed? I want you to look up right now. I see one, two, three people in a row in the back looking at me. That's good. And you, sir. It's really cool when you come to the Lord with your friends. That's neat. Who else? You, sir, way in the back, young man. And you, good. And you, sir. Um, it's, it's a lady there, too. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life. And you, good. And you, all right. All right, join me in prayer. God, I invite you into my life. I know you're real. And I know you've been reaching out to me because you've been finding ways to let me know that you're there. And I thank you for that. And God, as I open the door of my heart to you, I, I really have no idea of what, the, what lies before me. Of, of the mystery of my own future. What I'm really saying is I trust you enough that, that as you write the story, it'll be a good story. And that you will cause all things to turn out for good to those people who love you and are called according to your purpose. And I want to be one of those people. I, I, I commit myself to you today. I'm not so sure I know what it means to love you but I surrender my allegiance to you and I expect that love will grow as we build a relationship. I pray that you would reach out to me. 
and that your heart would become my heart, that you would speak to me. If sin is an act of turning your back on you, then I've turned my back on you. And, and if you sent your son into the world uh, to endure what he did on that cross, what was depicted in that movie, The Passion of the Christ, to do that for me so that my sin could be canceled out because of, of his sacrifice, then I accept what he did on that cross as valid in my life. And on the basis of that, I accept a relationship with you. God, lead me, direct me, make my life count for something. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Begin to speak to me, even today, even now. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 